Hey, I'm Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. This week we're looking at 2020's The New Mutants. Five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. Written and directed by Josh Boone, uh, more famously known for The Fault is in Our Stars and the most recent TV adaption of The Stand, with co-writing credit going to Nate Lee, 2020's The New Mutants was unceremoniously dumped in the theaters August 28th, 2020, which some of our listeners might remember was right smack dab in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, My son and I went to go see the movie, just kind of get out of the house and do something, and we were probably the only people in the theater at the time. I know we kind of what made us do the episode this week is that we this came up because we were talking about pandemic releases, and this was something I I very much remember being like the only movie I had seen in the theater in like a month or two because they were releasing stuff during the pandemic. But um, the film itself had an interesting road to release, which is probably deserving of a podcast episode. On it to itself, it was originally uh, pitched to Fox by Josh Boone and greenlit as far back as 2015. Production began in 2017, ahead of a 2018 release, and that release date would eventually be pushed back at least four times for a whole slew of reasons, including the flop of X-Men's Dark Phoenix, the uh, Disney acquisition of Fox Studios, and then finally the aforementioned pandemic. But when it did finally see the light of day in 2020, I was there and I loved it, probably because it's the horniest X-Men movie ever made. <laughs> and uh, I've wanted to bring this movie to the show for a, a while now. And frankly, I'm just going to shut the fuck up because, Danny, I need to hear your thoughts on it. What did you think? So this was the first time I, I ever saw it. Right. And we I'm should a say it's on Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. It is on Disney Plus, yep. Uh, I am a little upset that I did not see this in the theater. And I am a big fan of X-Men. Uh, if out of like the marvel universe it's x-men and spider-man for me that's usually what it was and i thought this movie was really fun and it was really cool and i'm a little disappointed that uh we're not going to continue this story to be honest but i really enjoyed the kind of like young stranger things vibe like the the horror but comedy aspect of it it was a neat ride yeah. Well, it's so it was the 13th movie in Fox's X-Men franchise, right? Um, starting with Ryan Singer's X-Men in 2000 and then X2 and then the first class reboot and all that stuff. Um, so this was the last Fox X-Men movie. And um, as far as whether or not we'll ever see anything more come of this film, or like the characters and the, and the kind of the stuff we've seen it. I don't know. I mean, the new Deadpool, Deadpool three is supposed to kind of have Deadpool going back through the Fox X-Men universe and kind of helping facilitate its migration into the MCU. Right. Um, So we might see some of these characters again. We might see some of this stuff again. I don't know um, how... There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie. It's basically setting up Mr. Sinister. The hospital that they're a part of, that, um, you know... So the basic basic plot of the movie is, yes, there's these five young mutants, and they're in this seemingly otherwise abandoned hospital uh, 
and they're being tested by one doctor, which is way too. <laughs> There's issues with this movie, but like, um, and they think that they're being kind of vetted to join the X Men, right? That's why they're being held. That's why their powers are being tested. That's why they're being put through all this shit. And really what it is, is that the, there's an organization that is run by the uh, Mr. Sinister character, who is supposed to be played by John Hamm from Mad Men. Um, and this is kind of how he collects mutants and, and does testing on them and steals their powers or hijacks their DNA or whatever the fuck the plan was going to be, right? Um, so there's chances we might see shades of this. Like, I don't, I don't know for sure that this is completely dead in the water. I don't know if Marvel really knows what they're going to do with the X-Men because there was so much content that's very fresh in people's memories. And we know that the X-Men are making their way into the MCU, assuming the MCU doesn't implode upon itself any fucking day now. But, um, you know... Or that, just Disney in that matter. Yeah. So we're going to see this at some point. Um whether or not this is all going to be completely forgotten, who knows? I, I'm with you. I hope it doesn't, because there was a lot of good stuff here. Not- and you know, all those actors too—they're pretty popular still. Like especially, especially Anya uh, Joy Taylor. Right. Yeah, her. Like I- that. Like so, I and the guy from Stranger Things. Sure, Charlie Heaton. He played uh, Cannonball, and then Maisie Williams playing uh, Wolf's Mane. Although they never really say her name, but. Uh, I'm sorry, Anya Taylor Joy. Is that what I said? Or did I? Say, I said Joy Taylor. I am very sorry. I meant Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> yeah, she was playing um, uh, Ileana Rasputin, which is Cyclops' sister. That's why you know she's got the one metal arm, and she's got other pop mutant powers too. But uh, she was supposed to be Cyclops' sister, so there's definitely room for that character to come back, especially in connection with um, Deadpool, because Colossus has always been a pretty big Deadpool character. Um, kind of like yeah, I mean, his he, buddy. Yeah, he, yeah. And he, so he's also in... Yeah, he's in Deadpool and in X-Men. I think he pops up in one of the X-Men movies as kind of a background character. They don't do much with him. Yeah, but, you know, growing up in the 90s, Colossal was pretty big. Just like Gambit. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about because, as I as I said in the intro, and I will say countless times during the recording of this episode, this is an extremely horny movie, um, which is why I responded to it because most of the superhero movies are kind of sexless. You know, I think in humans they made such a not in humans what was it called the Eternals they made a really big deal about it was the first uh, MCU movie where there was even like a shadow of a sex scene. And this, there's, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of longing, you know, there's lots of, uh, estrogen and testosterone and, and queer love. And, uh, it's pretty fucking hot. And, um, you know, I think that kind of goes to me. I really identified with that because like you said, growing up, it was all about Spider-Man and the X-Men. Well, I, I, I was very much in the same boat. Spider-Man, though, like, okay, they usually drew Mary Jane Watson to have some pretty big knockers, but I never really, like, had a crush on her. However, some of my first fictional character crushes were female X-Men. Uh, Jubilee yeah, like Storm. 
Well, good for you. Oh, good storm, for you man. being, you know. Fucking storm is the. You one. like your X Men like you like your coffee, apparently. Um, yeah. But now, for, for me, it was Jubilee who was age appropriate. She was fourteen, about the same time I was fourteen in the comics and stuff. And um, also Shadowcat, because Shadowcat was from Illinois. She was from Skokie. I like Mystique too. <laughs> man, you like the darkies. And then. Uh, <laughs> and then um. As you a, like your women as, black like, and blue. As, <laughs> hey, I live in the South. You know yeah, that's you what mean, we do. Down here. Thank you. I, 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 I didn't say it. I didn't. Say. You read my mind. That's good. We got good banter going. <laughs> but um, as like I got older and new X Men were being introduced, Emma Frost became one of the big ones. For oh me. fuck yeah, yeah. Like that. Uh, like I was honestly, and the fact that, and of course, right, the first like x-men romance she has is with fucking cyclops <laughs> so are you talking about but the grant morrison run uh i think so like yeah. 2000 like yes, i want to say it was the mid yeah yeah the new x-men where she she uh where she turns diamond that's like they do the secretary mutation and yeah i think so her and she dresses up like gene gray and, and scott's yeah grant morrison's yeah dude that was so weird man it's very it's very crankable um, but I didn't care. I, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. it was uh it was pretty cool. Yeah. That was around the same time that I discovered Bone, that like uh comic and yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that chick and that. <laughs> Those are like little cast for the ghost kids. Yeah, that was like the ghost kid, but he like finds like a human woman and she's like it's like think of like the heavy metal chick. Oh, I've never read Bone. I, I knew of it because yeah. it was around, it's been it, it had like a, a fucking couple hundred issues but yeah it has a lot but yeah it had it had that kind of happen but yeah no i also liked rogue i was i was a big fan of rogue see i dick mm, you can't go bareback with that one because she'll steal your fucking soul which like, i think is a good allegory for uh most of my relations but yeah uh <laughs> rogue not so much but I'm, I'm talking about adolescent not i'm talking about what like you know spun 12 year old pedos crank not uh not you know 42 year old pedo is still getting hard-ons because of emma frost um <clears throat> but like <laughs> I, I said hey, she was a woman this was this was written and directed by josh boone who like i said did fault is in our stars so it very much it makes sense that he um he was leaning into his strengths with this one and um it also has a very 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 um heavy buffy vibe and I, I know you're not a huge Buffy fan. Um, it's kind of it's too. St- I just I just never watched it. It's a generational like, actually, thing. You're, yeah, I actually talked to my wife recently about watching it. I I would love to hear what you think about it. I don't know if um, you know I don't know if it holds up as well as it did because it was very groundbreaking. And um, you got to remember when Buffy came out, you didn't see um melodrama blended with supernatural fantasy elements like you do now and you also didn't see serialized weekly shows as much as you do now so the idea the fact that every buffy episode kind of there was like arcing mythology that was that was a fairly new idea season art like seasonal big bads and plot lines that would continue over multiple episodes, like daytime soap operas, you didn't see that that much in primetime television. 
so Buffy really was something real. It was a game changer, and I feel like the game's been changed so much that if you went back, I don't know if it would really hold up as well as it did. But there's a reason that it's referenced so much in this movie. Um, you have two two scenes where the characters are in the rec room, kind of chilling out at the end of the day, and in both instances they're watching Buffy on the, in the, on the rec room TV. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. And then the ending is very basically uh, uh, Anna Taylor Joy turns into Buffy at the end of the movie and becomes this like uh, a slayer and she just fucking whoops all kinds of ass, which uh, works really well in the movie. It's very exciting. It's a heightened sense of uh, it's a really ratchets up the finale. And that was that was prototypical Buffy that's what Buffy does Buffy is the fucking slayer and she'll kill vampires and demons indiscriminately and just seeing her go into that mode with the fucking dragon and the metal arm and the sword it was like you were watching the season finale of Buffy you know of, of that's cool yeah so no, it, that makes me want to check it out so. it's I mean it's 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 worth seeing I, I mean it's it's a reason it's got the rep that it does but this movie was definitely influenced by that and once again, I think that kind of, you know, at which, once again, Buffy was written, in, that was created by Joss Whedon, who was responsible for the first kind of tier of uh, MCU movies. He did the first two Avengers movies and yeah. also was the guy that came in and um, either fixed or destroyed Jack Snyder, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Zack Snyder's that, yeah. Justice League movie and the now has not been heard of since. You know, he's in hiding somewhere after being a, a terrible man. So, Yeah, he, uh, he uh, actually, Zack Snyder just announced that he would come back. The only way he would come back to do a DC film is if he got to do a reboot of The Dark Knight. That man needs to just stop. Like, I'm just done with his fucking shit. I really am. I didn't even watch the fucking Justice League shit. I didn't want to. You know, that... I will say this, that um, HBO five-hour fucking thing that they put out yeah. wasn't bad. It wasn't. <laughs> but, it, but for five hours, and I know that you're obviously exaggerating. But no, saying, no, no, no. It's five hours? Yes. Well, I mean, let me look. But, here. like, you saying five hours and then saying not bad makes me not definitely want to watch it. Not unless I watch it in, like, fucking, you know an hour a week or something. So it <laughs> was, um, Oh God, 242 minutes. So that's dude. That's like, Oh, it's four and it's four hours. Um, it's good though. It's like four hour long episodes. It, it, it almost plays like a TV show and it's, it it's four hour long episodes. And, um, it works a lot better. And he had a lot of cool stuff in there. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to turn this into fucking talk about Jack Snyder's Justice League, but like, that is something that, same thing with this though. Cause like when you look at the, and I, I don't, I don't have all of the dates and, and facts in front of me, but this was a movie that was chopped to shit and, uh, stuff was shot and reshot. And, you know, they ended up with a, um, talking about the new moons, they ended up with a 94 minute movie. So you don't go through, you know, basically three years of post-production and reshoots and turn out with a 94 minute movie, not to have left a whole buttload of shit on the fucking 
editing room floor. You know what I mean? Um, right. So this was something too, where they kind of wrestled over and couldn't figure out what they want to do with it. And that was because it, you know, when this movie went into production, it was part of the Fox X-Men cinematic universe. And then that was put to rest. And then that was part of the Disney MCU and they didn't know what they were going to do there. And that's kind of the problem with these comic book movies is that they, they really need solid footing and know and knowing their put their like their point in place and time, you know, so they know how much referential shit to put in there. And right. um, they ended up taking all of it out. That's why you literally see the five kids and the doctor and that's it. You know what I mean? Because they cut out all the shit right. with everyone else because, oh, we don't know if there's not going to be a sequel. Antonio Banderas was supposed to be in it as the one kid's dad who was going to be what? part of, yeah, he, who was part of the Hellfire Club going back to uh, Emma Frost, you know? Um, and then, huh. like, like I said, John Hamm was supposed to play Mr. Sinister and who was an X-Men villain that was hinted at in some of the X-Men movies, I think Dark Phoenix or something. And, uh, you know, he was obviously the next one that they were going to do after Apocalypse. And um, now, did you like that that series? I liked the first class movie. And then when they used first class as a way to bring it to do Days Future Past. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Days of Future Past I thought was pretty good. Yes. But then when they did it again with Apocalypse and they did it again with um, Dark Phoenix, I thought it was So I only watched Apocalypse for like two reasons. Jennifer Lawrence and Olivia Munn. Yeah. I guess... Who... uh, Who was the... uh, Who was Apocalypse? Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, yeah, and he, I like, I like him, but I don't think that was a good fit for him. They didn't give him the right shit to do. I, you know, X Men villains are. You really just got to stick with Magneto when you start getting into the, you know, like they never did the outer space stuff with the X Men and the Shihar Empire and the Brood and all that. Like, they have they have a lot of concepts that work in the in like the comic book form like mojo you know what mojo is mojo world and long shot and all that mojo, stuff. yeah 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 it's like that stuff's all like kind of integral to the x-men but can you imagine if they did a mojo world movie people would just be like what the fuck like it, it's too <laughs> comic booky like there's only certain things that can kind of you know because where the comic book stuff has translated into onto film is they've been keeping it like at least one foot in reality you know, right. and when you start doing Apocalypse and the Dark Phoenix and all that shit, and especially the Dark Phoenix with that all, without all the spaceship shit, it's really hard to do and do it well, especially when you have people that liked First Class because it was like Magneto was a Nazi hunter. You know what I mean? And like, right. it was very much like back to the basics of like who these people are. And they were they were trying to prevent the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff. And it was interesting. Right. And um yeah, I think the X Men it got too big and crazy when they started to try to combine the cast from both movies. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't see Dark Phoenix. I heard a lot of bad stuff about it, so I kind of stayed away. And then, uh, but I still like I I do want to watch it. Um, but yeah, Apocalypse was kind of a letdown. Um, I liked Days of Future Past, right? And it it was able to set up like Logan pretty well. 
Logan is probably my favorite superhero movie, or one of them at least. Um, I thought that was good. And you know, thinking about this one, how you said this one's pretty horny. You know, the first three X Men were that way too. You know, there was a lot of tension and some physical parts between Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine, and Jean Grey. Um, and I want to say in the second or third, there was some, there was always stuff. And then I think like Wolverine and Jean Grey had like a whole makeout scene and then Cyclops made out with her and then like, yeah. <laughs> like, eh, I mean, yeah, because I like Fomke Jensen as Jean Grey. I thought she was, she worked better than when they used that, um, what's her, the chick from Game of Thrones. As the young Jean Grey. Like, that didn't work for me. But Fomke Jensen, who played her in the first two. But then they killed her in the third one. See, Last Stand was such fucking garbage. Like, I hated that fucking movie. Um, I just don't... I, I honestly, like, I remember being a kid when that came out. And I was so excited to watch it. And literally, what, in the first part of the movie, they killed Jean Grey and Cyclops, and that was it. Yeah. It was and real like weird. Nothing, yeah, it was like, did they just like not have enough money? Like, did like what happened there? And I actually never looked into that, but because the first two were awesome, like, and I don't know. I really wish that we got that Gambit movie with Channing Tatum. Yeah, well, that's why they did. I mean, the, so the first two were Brian Singer, and then the third one was Brett Ratner, and Brett Ratner. I, there was something that I couldn't put my foot on my, my finger on that i really hated about x-men 3 and it was uh what finally did it for me was they introduced the juggernaut and he's not charles xavier's brother right he's vinnie jones and right, yeah. he has that scene where he runs through the walls after shadow cat and he falls into this like fucking hole or something and he's in the hole and he looks up at her and he goes don't you know who i am i'm the juggernaut bitch and that was a reference to a um someone had dubbed over an x-men cartoon from the 90s where it's juggernaut <laughs> just going i'm the juggernaut bitch and like and the, him, it was like three guys and they were all black and they were doing these fucking goofy voices and it sounds so ghetto and terrible but they but it really it was like no one had really done that and it was when overdubbing like a 90s cartoon with a bunch of a bunch of stoners like overdubbing a 90s cartoon and saying really goofy, stupid shit was, like, groundbreaking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there was a time when somebody did that first, and this was, like, that time. So that video went viral, and, like, all of us that, like, had desk jobs in the early 2000s were, like, sharing this video around, and we're all laughing at it. And this is, like, the strong, bad era of the internet, right? And um, it popped up in X-Men 3. They referenced it. And when I was like, Jesus Christ, the X-Men movies are now referencing, like, internet memes, it made it, it made it feel to me like this was all going in a very bad direction. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like yeah, I can see that. the internet was influencing the movies, and that's not the way it should be, because we all know the internet's filled with mostly idiots. And, like, when, <laughs> when, when you let the inmates start running the asylum, it's not going to lead to anything good. You know? Which is why, after that, they rebooted everything with First Class. Which was such a success that Brian Singer then came back and found a way to retcon in the previous three movies with Days of Future, you know, you know all that stuff. 
And then they had the two timelines going at the same time. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And it eventually all spun out of control. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the timeline thing was interesting, like how they had that kind of going. So right, but there's so, was weird. so many things don't make sense. And then yeah, there was that first Wolverine movie, which was garbage. Like you got a 13 film series. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but that's really what it is. If you look at all the Fox X Men movies, it's 13 movies, yeah. and um, this kind of represents the end of it but it's also kind of sets itself up to be a new beginning I and mean, it's called the new mutants and one of the one of the other things that was really because I, like i said this this film went from five years from being greenlit to actually shown in the theaters <clears throat> yeah sorry and um one of the things that was really being touted and it's kind of the last point i want to talk on uh on this is um this was supposed to be a horror movie it was supposed to be, okay, what if, you know, we're doing a comic book movie, we're doing a superhero movie, but let's do more of a straight-up horror movie, which, once again, feeds back into the Buffy thing, right, and also shows that they're trying to do something new. They're trying to think outside the box. And I have to say that in that in, in that way, the film, I think, was successful. Um, this is definitely the scariest of all the... I mean, I wouldn't say it's like Bloomhouse horror or anything like that, but it's definitely the scariest of any of the X-Men movies. Um, the smiley man stuff towards the end was very effective. Uh, the burning chick in the pool. There's a, there's a, and, and that's part of, you know, what's going on with the narrative is that these, these kids are being tormented by their own worst fears. So it would make sense that when their fears manifest, they're scary, you know, um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a, a neat approach was, okay, let's do an X-Men movie, but let's do an X-Men horror movie. Right. And, uh, that's kind of another aspect of what this was supposed to be. And I think that it carries over really well. And it's, it <clears throat> adds to part of the reason that this was probably my, my second, no, I was probably like my third time watching it and I still enjoyed it and I still thought it was effective and. Um, still got creeped out by some of the stuff towards the end. Yeah, I thought the smiley man was pretty unsettling, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, especially when, not necessarily in its like physical form, when it was like outside trying to attack them. Like the first time, it was like, oh, like that's something like I would not want to run into. But the, but originally, when it was just like the bald people and they wear the masks, like that was to me more unsettling. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It was weird with just like the straight, just white mask and with the face on it. But yeah, that was that was not fun. The burning girl. That was pretty cool. Um, no, I I really enjoyed it. And I honestly would say that this is one of my favorite X-Men uh, movies. I think it's definitely in the better of of the franchise. Um and, and I hope that it was good enough to almost give it a kind of Phoenix, you know, rising moment, right? It It is the end, but the beginning. And I would really love to see that. I really would. Um, do I have my hopes up with it? No. But I, I think what you were talking about earlier with Deadpool, I really do think that that could lead into that, which would be way easier and probably cheaper for Disney to do rather than make a whole bunch of new X-Men movies. Uh, and they can just immediately incorporate them into their universe, just like how they're kind of doing with 
Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, you know, those movies now kind of matter to the MCU. Uh, and I've even heard rumors that Tobey Maguire might be a person coming back for Secret Wars and might be like a leader type figure. And I was like, that actually makes sense, you know, because who else is going to do it? <laughs> like realistically right now, like maybe Doctor Strange, but, you know, there is no leaders right now. So we're in a weird spot, I think. And th- But I think there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity. And like I, I actually like I've been watching some of the newer Marvel movies that I didn't hear great things about. And I don't think they were bad at all. Like they're they're a superhero movie. Like I don't understand what people are expecting. But even with like this movie, like uh, earlier, whenever I got on, I, I got on IMDb to check it out, and I mean it has a five point three out of ten. Like that that this movie didn't deserve that at all. No. Like, this this was a this was a better superhero movie. Like I, and I think I seeing that made me kind of also realize like i i do think the more out there comic book movies are becoming like people don't want to watch them because it's not captain america it's not iron man like and i think that might hurt you know the 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 industry in the next coming years yeah i think um i i completely agree with you and uh you know it was interesting that this movie is has got such a low rating as it did because i don't know who the fuck saw it besides me i mean it did it obviously didn't make any money when it was released in the theaters because it was released in the middle of the pandemic no one was in there when i saw it you know it, it didn't make shit at the box office no one was going to the movies back then so i don't know where it got all this hate from um i think it kind of got hate maybe retroactively because people thought that it didn't matter anymore and it was this was some weird fumble Kind of like all the Hulu stuff that, um, you know, like uh, the Inhumans or the Runaways or, you know, when when Marvel was trying to do the TV stuff with like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that stuff just kind of floundered and, and, and went nowhere. People hate that. You know, people hate investing in something and finding out that it was all for nothing. People hate the idea right. that all those Netflix Marvel shows are now inconsequential. God damn it. I watched fucking two seasons of Jessica Jones. And now I'm not going to see her again, you know, stuff like that. They, they don't like that. That's kind of what made the MCU the MCU at first was Robert Downey Jr. continually popping up and Captain America and all right. that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Marvels, uh, I, I want to touch upon that super quick because that's one that came out just a couple months ago that got massive amounts of hate. I loved it. I thought it was the best MCU movie I've seen since fucking Endgame. Um, one of, I mean, I think, I like Mania, but whatever it was it was top tier fucking marvel um and it just got absolutely shit on and it was because it was one of these more out there comic book movies that was actually more like reading a comic book it was high concept and it was kind of gimmicky and this is this is a speech that i've made a thousand and one times but i'm gonna make it one more time anyone that's actually read comic books before knows that not every single fucking issue was part of the Infinity fucking Gauntlet saga, right? Not every issue of Spider-Man featured the Sinister Six or some or, or, or Doc Ock or some big fucking, you know, uh, plot line with Venom. It was a lot of weird filler shit, 
right? These comic books went on for fucking years and years and years, 12, you know, 12 uh, issues a year, right? And sometimes you would pick up a comic and it would just be, oh, what happened if these two superheroes switched powers every time one of them used them? And that would be the issue and that would be it. And that's what comics were. And that's something like what the Marvels is. Every time they use their powers, they switch and they have to figure out how to work together. And there's a lesson that they learned. And it was entertaining and good. And bringing it all back around again, I don't, at this point, I could spoil it. But the post credit scene in the Marvels features Beast from the X Men Last Stand. Kelsey Grammer doing uh, the Beast voice with, oh. a, with a giant blue, much better, but much oh. better CGI rendered uh, version of the Beast. See that that excites me. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that I feel like they're just like tickling the balls with that stuff now because like they put um, John Krasinski in as Mister Fantastic and uh, Multiverse yeah. of Madness, and they kind of even said we just he's not not, not even announced yeah, he, who is it now? It's uh, Pedro Pascal is going to be Mister oh, Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that John Krasinski thing was just a fucking just a little play. That was a- you know, yeah, that was a you know, <clears throat> wink. So then bring in uh, Kelsey Grammer back because one of the one of the Marvels gets thrown into another dimension, another universe, and she wakes up and she's in a hospital, this med lab, and um, you find out that she's at the X mansion, and Beast is there running tests on her, and you see the X logo, you know, on the door in the background, and hmm. yeah, so. Um, there still might be planned. Who knows what they're doing with one? I, like I said, I don't even think they know. You know, I think a lot of this shit yeah, gets thrown now, together at the last minute. Yeah, well, now they're talking about uh, Kang not being the dude. And they're going to, like, pivot to Doctor Doom, I've heard. Because of all the stuff with Jonathan Majors going on. With, like, that whatever was the domestic violent thing. Or, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> i mean he was good in loki season two loki season two was pretty tight well see since i heard he was in that i was like why not like keep it going well but i i don't think it would be a bad idea to pivot because i think king is a pretty big fucking villain you know what i mean like dr doom i feel like could be in a villain that we could throw in right now and he like him being at those minor stages because like i mean he's a pretty big badass too but like you know he was more he kind of like elevated as the issues went on so like it could be something like that i mean look they kind of did ultron dirty i'm not gonna lie well i was just gonna bring that up is that yeah remember before we got to thanos we went through loki and then we went through ultron and then we got to Thanos. And then we had the Civil right. War, which was like, you know, them versus themselves versus the government and all that. Yep. Um, and then we got to Ultron. So, yeah, they definitely, okay, we towed up Kang. Now we can, we and, and the way Loki season two ends, they could, they could never touch Kang again. And it would more or less be all right. They kind of wrapped his stuff up. Cool. But they could easily still bring him back. You know, right. at all because there's there's many Kangs, but right. that definitely ends with one Kang's uh, storyline and 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 fate being resolved in a very satisfactory hmm. way. Um, so they could leave it like that and just never touch it again, or they can just right. Be, well, that was and that'd that be fine. Kang, but there's a council of Kangs, and you know, right. So I don't know. The, the yeah, Doctor Doom. 
Doctor Doom, cool. I understand, like, he's definitely an adversary as far as, like, yes, he's very intelligent. Yes, he's very cunning. Yes, he's very cruel. Yes, he's, you know, he's done a lot of badass shit in the same way Magneto has. But, like, at the same time, you're right. He's not a fucking Thanos. And yeah. you're not going to do that. Um, well, I was going to say, it could actually be him and then even Magneto afterwards. Like, something... You know, get the Fantastic Four, and then next, and then another bridge to X-Men, and then do uh, the next boss, Magneto, and then and then have King at the end, or some shit. I say bring Galactus. Fuck it. You <sighs> That'd know? be pretty cool, man. I mean, I don't know what a, you do that'd... with them, because you can't... What do you do with Galactus? You do the ultimate nullifier? That... Like, it's kind of a... You, there's only one way that's going to end, and he's not going to yeah. eat the Earth. Um, but I think that's why they're doing secret wars is because it's not about how, how it's going to end. It's about the spectacle. It's about the journey and they want to end with secret wars because they want to end with everybody fighting everybody. Right. And that's, that's, that's how you one up the end of end game where you have everybody fighting Thanos is you, we should be getting a venom too. So yeah. And that. Because of the symbiote. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see the new mutants in it as well. I really would. I, I thought it was good. Um, it, it would be something that I would like to see the whole cast be able to come back. And the badassery continues. So, Anya reminded me of, like, heavy metal shit. So, yeah. I was totally down for it. And, which honestly made me now kind of want them to make another heavy metal, like, movie. And she could fucking be her. It'd be <laughs> awesome. But, but yeah. But I digress, you know. <laughs> but yeah. Go check out this movie and give it an honest rating. Don't fucking just, like, be a bandwagoner, okay? You know, watch it. If you're a real comic book fan and you like it for for the comic book like you should really be into these movies and i think people just get you know they hear the hate and they i don't know like these movies are kind of needed like it's just a just something that's not all up in your face but something that's actually watchable like you like what'd you say 93 minutes mm-hmm. like it's i mean it, dude it was a good movie through from start to end yeah no very enjoyable and uh very very horny 